we've got to stop seeing muscles as a piece of plastic that you stretch. So the idea is that if you've got a tight muscle, you've got to stretch it and stretch it and stretch it and hold it. And there's so much controversy over how long you should hold a stretch and when you should be stretching. But it's actually the mind, the brain that governs the length of muscles. So I've got to say that what makes you tense makes you tight. That's stuck in the traffic, if it's anger, if it's just work. Oh, it's like I was saying, if you're having a bad surf and you start cramping up, it's like because you're tensing up a lot. Exactly. So what makes you tense makes you tight. This is Super Fast Business with James Schramko. James Helping you build your business super fast. James Franco here. Welcome back to superfastbusiness.com. This is episode 792. Today, we're going to be talking about movement of your body, which is, I guess, a slightly side topic to the core of Super Fast Business podcast, but it's so important. And as I've discovered, as I age, and we have had guests coming on the show talking about these things, and I've had tremendous feedback in the past about these types of topics because we can't escape it. It's going to get us one way or the other, this whole health thing. And I fully think around about a quarter of the conversations and things I'm talking to students about would relate to personal optimization, which obviously a big part of that is you. Like the hardware that your brain is contained in is part of the package that drives your business. You've got the hardware, the software, and your business will often be a reflection of your well-being. So today I want to bring along a special guest. His name is Carl Reader. He's a functional movement coach. Welcome, Carl. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for having me. Now, you reached out to me because you've listened to a few other episodes we've done in relation to health, and you thought that what you teach is a good fit for our audience here at Superfast Business. And I've got to say a couple of the key topics you suggested hit my sweet spot. And I don't know if you've listened to the episodes where you've heard me talk about my own situation where I've had this sort of onset of osteoarthritis. I've pretty much got the trifecta of things you talked about, which was neck pain, back pain, joint pain. We've gone deep with a few guests before on topics relating to doing DNA samples. We've done gluten fasts. We've done blood tests. We've done core exercises. I've had a lot of help from my community with everything from inflatable balls through to exercises I can do to strengthen my muscles. And I'm happy to say I've got way better mobility, way less inflation. I'm in so much better shape because of our community who are so generous in sharing. And you've stepped up to the plate. And in fact, I think you've been helping or working with some of the people in our community already. So why don't you just let us know first how you got here in terms of being on this show and the lead up to it. And and then a little bit of a sample of what you've been working in your field to give us a feel for what your topic expertise is, Carl. Yeah, so I studied as an exercise physiologist and um, I've been helping patients for the last 20 years working with their back and knee shoulder pains. And I realized early on in my career that a lot of the exercises weren't working for a lot of people. So led me on a journey of discovering like what are the body's optimal movements. And so I've been working a lot with functional movements. So basically understanding what the body's natural movements are that it uses for everyday life movements like pushing, pulling, squatting and looking at the optimal techniques to do those. And as I started introducing those optimal techniques to my patients, we started getting great results, only in my own body as well. And then I reached out to communities like self and other people and started sharing my knowledge and insights into saying, if we just move the body correctly, it almost automatically starts to fix itself. And so I wasn't taking any credit for that, but just saying, let's just give it the basics. It's kind of like the sleep topic. If you just give your body that adequate sweet sleep, you know, 
you're not in control of what's happening at two o'clock in the morning. Your body's doing it automatically. And so when you give the body its intended movements, natural movements, functional movements done correctly, you get tremendous results. So it sounds like you're setting train tracks for your body to roll along in a uniform way each time and get a consistent result. When I think back about my office job period, which was mostly between 1991 and 2008, I spent a lot of time in the office. And I reckon, especially when I was building my own online business, I spent a heck of a lot of time at a computer. And I know I have bad posture and I put a lot of load on my neck. And also I'm conscious that I carry, especially back then, I had an enormous amount of pressure and stress. I had a stressful job. I lived in an expensive city, have a lot of kids, had bills to pay, had expectations from everyone around me, the manufacturer, the team, myself, my family, my parents. I really felt like everything just literally rested. It was pushing on my neck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was not shocked to discover that I'd started forming osteophytes on my vertebrae or whatever, where they're sort of trying to reduce the movement to save my body from pinching nerves and so forth. So it was a big wake-up call when a few years ago I could hardly even turn my neck. And I think maybe I just pushed myself too far, like physically. And I was bombarding my body with gluten, which it doesn't like apparently. I was inflaming myself and I got so neutralized to that that I just thought that was normal, that this gassy, bloated, burning pain. I mean, literally, if I were to eat a piece of sourdough now, I would get this nuclear ball of fire in my neck and my elbows and my wrists and my knees. So this journey of awareness of myself, I mean, the fact that I'm so old now and just (laughs) discovering some of this, if we can get to someone a bit earlier, that would be my intention. Absolutely. So I want you to speak directly to someone who is most likely putting in a pretty solid work week, almost certainly spending a lot of time at the computer, especially this year in a confined space or a similar space at all times, and may even have restrictions on what sort of exercise they can do. And I also would love it if you could speak to the type of exercises we shouldn't do, because some of those might surprise our listeners, especially one you mentioned to me before, I thought was very interesting. And as a somewhat amateur surfer, I can truly relate to trying to find that balance between progression and then getting sidelined. When you tear something, break something, twist something, hurt something, damage something, it can really be painful being on the sidelines, having to wait it out until your body gets stronger and recovers again. And, you know, now I've learned basic things like apparently you're not supposed to shuffle heavy shopping bags with your foot sideways, you know, to get them out of the doorway and those sort of things. (laughs) Time for you to unload, Carl. Give us your best shots. Well, I think for the younger guys and the older guys, it's important not to follow too many of the fads. There's a lot of, especially in our industry, there's a lot of fads out there and, you know, they look at sort of the magazines, men's fitness, men's health, and they, they sort of want to be like that and they get caught up that that's the ideal way of training. And a lot of what I prescribe and what I do I often get, but that's so little. And I think it's like you've got that little book, work less or earn more sort of thing. And it's the same train smart and not harder. And I'm getting across the younger guys. It's not about how hard you work. You've got to lose this principle of you've got to punish your body to get results and just keying in on dialing in the right exercises and um you are going at your own pace. We each have different base levels. Some guys, you know, we work under a bell curve. Some guys are genetically adapted for high-level intensity stuff. High-intensity training has become quite a buzzword now. But for someone who's sitting in an office nine or ten hours a day, just going for a walk is high intensity. So you don't need to now go and smash, like, heavy weights, heavy CrossFit sections. 
What's quite scary, to be honest, and it's not a scare tactic, is that we're seeing, and it's across the board, is we're seeing quite a lot of increase in cancers and younger people, and it's because they're running four to five marathons a month. They're doing high fitness training, and they're pushing themselves too far. And what's important for young guys, especially, and everybody, is to remember is that when you're doing heavy exercise, it's actually quite an inflammatory event, right. and it can trigger off a lot of things in the DNA that we're still trying to understand at the moment. So just by being wise about your exercise is so important. You know, look, Carl, I've, I've never seen a happy jogger ever. <laughs> when I'm walking along the beach with my surfboard, I see joggers in the sand, I see them on the corso, I see them on the street. And they always look stressed. They look like they're a heart attack waiting to happen. And I just think that can't be right. It just doesn't seem right. And I'm sure some people's bodies are designed for that. But to speak to your example of doing less, I found just a simple change of pulling back on how much I eat and especially pulling back a bit on the carbs because I really loved my carbs, right? (laughs) Especially when I found gluten-free acceptable alternatives, you know, for things like bread and pasta, et cetera. Through the help of a friend of mine, Tamash, pulled back on the carbs a bit. I just got that appetite down a bit and I, I lost about... I'm going to say five or six kilograms in the last few months, very slowly. But I can feel the weight lifting off my joints. I can feel that spring in my step. And this is from doing absolutely less. I didn't add anything. I didn't change anything with my exercise regime. I simply just consumed a little bit less of particular food groups and started to trim back. But I feel like it's just lifting me off. It's like gravity doesn't hurt me as much as before. Fantastic. You know, the body, it can't really tell the difference between you doing a shoulder press of 20, 30 kilograms and having a hectic schedule. It still sees it as stress, right. you know, and it's the same. I think that's important for especially entrepreneurs who are going through, if they bootstrap or under a lot of pressure, even the fact that they're busy is that... Or anyone living in 2020, <laughs> like pretty much the whole of society. 2020, exactly. You know, like I was saying to the CEO the other day, you're so stressed and now you want to go do 150 bench press, like... You've got to take it, you know, you don't need to do that. And it's the psychology that, as you say, we've got to punish ourselves. We've got to get out that mindset. It's a mindset shift. So we pull down the poster that says, there's some saying about pain leaving the body that <laughs> I've seen in the gym sometime. You know, what is it? Yeah. Success is pain leaving the body or something like that. No pain, no gain. No pain. So you're saying like the big first step is let's get some context to what high intensity actually means to us. So if we're pretty dormant, then a walk might be a fantastic improvement to our regime rather than getting depressed because we're not going off and doing our high-intensity workout every day. Or I do see some of my friends on Facebook with agonized faces where they've just spat out some kind of Peloton session. They're trying to be in the top 1% or something. You know? Yeah. I know they're going to have a heart attack. It's just not even a question. It's like when. Yeah. I wonder... How much do you think people are driven by external motivations versus internal programming from things that have happened to them during their life? Like having worked with people, I find sometimes you can't tell someone something and they get the message easily. You have to really work at it, you know, through metaphors or sometimes they just have to hit the edge and have a blowout to know. But the people I'm describing, they've even already been in the hospital bed before. It's not even their first time. And I just think, how? And I know some other guy... Normally, he does millions of air miles a year and he's overweight, he looks unhealthy, and he will have a blowout if he keeps up. 
So how do you help your customers, or I'm not sure what you call them. I'm sure you don't call them patients. No, not anymore. No, clients. Clients. How do you help them mentally deal with what has to change to throw off these things that have been planted there, either whether it's internal or external? I don't often want to be blunt with them, but I always say, you know, is this working for you? You know, and they stop and they get this almost revelation of like, no, right. you know, well, you've been doing the same thing over and over and are you losing weights? Are you improving your fitness? Or yes, I am stronger, but how's your back? Well, I can't move. So you've got a stronger core, but you can't move because your back's so sore. Okay, well, how is that working for you? you know, like, and then I often say, well, Carl, there is no other way. If I don't do a thousand sit-ups or 10 minutes of planking, and I say, well, that's where I want to help you. There is another way. You can still get great results doing functional and doing less, you know, so you don't need to be lifting heavy weights necessarily to build strength gains, unless you want to be a bodybuilder, and that's another story. Would you say most people are a little low on the self-awareness scale? I'll give an example. I saw a news article today. A lady, it was some other country, went to the doctor to see them about a back pain she'd experienced from a few days ago, and then she delivered a baby in the bathroom while she was waiting in, <laughs> waiting between a blood test. And like, so... She was literally carrying a baby, let's say for nine months, because apparently the birth was a very happy, healthy baby, and didn't even realize, and only the three days prior felt a back pain. Now, I'd say that's very, very low on the self-awareness scale. Between that and someone who might be in your situation, who's like obviously highly educated, practicing this for a living, you've read all the research, you've done lots of different tests and experiments, you've seen your clients over a period of time, it gives you a fantastic data set. A lot like I do with businesses. Yeah. Where do most people sit when you start dealing? Like, for example, someone listening to this, where are they most likely to be? Oh, it depends if they've got a background in sport because that always helps with their body. But I, I do find a lot of people don't have a good understanding or awareness of their movements. But also they, they don't know that, if I can just backtrack a bit, that one of the biggest problems, James, about 30 years ago, even a little bit longer, we were having a lot of back problems, picking up stuff incorrectly and there came this technique that was taught. It seems I've traveled at the, the uh, privilege of traveling the world. And wherever you go and you ask people to pick something up, they always go, oh, yes, but use your knees, keep your back straight. And that technique was a plaster uh, approach to stopping people hurting their backs temporary. But what's happened is it's filtered through the whole movement industry and it's caused the whole world to move dysfunctionally. So if you go to gym now and you do a squat, 10 out of 10 times a personal trainer or a physio will say, don't let your knees go past your toes and don't overcorrect in your back. So we're trying to undo these bad habits. When I was in Australia and New Zealand, the people are much more aware than they are in South Africa. These people know what a hamstring is or quads are. <laughs> we're here and they still have no idea. It's, it's, it's sort of... <laughs> But when it comes to moving, I think people aren't aware that they're moving incorrectly. Like a great example is climbing stairs. There's a correct way to climb stairs. And when the people say, what do you mean a correct way to climb stairs? You just climb stairs. And I'm going, no. If you look at how you climb stairs, how much strain you put on your knees. If you look at how you squat, how much pressure you put through your back and your knees, it's because no one, well, not many people are teaching you how to move. And just last thing, I just said the other day, it was like, there are a lot of people teaching people how to exercise, but not how to move functionally correctly. Okay. Well, I can't let you go too much further without asking you how you're supposed to climb stairs because I've got an almost two-year-old who's doing a lot of climbing stairs right now, and maybe it's a good time to get the good technique. Yeah. Well, the big thing is it's important that if you have any wide stair, a step or tread, because if you've got a narrow tread, what happens is you just put the edge of your foot on the step, and then the knee goes too far forward, and then you drive 
you put pressure to the knee to lift your whole body weight up. So essentially your knee, instead of just being the hinge joint, becomes the power joint, which you don't want. So you want to essentially not allow your knee to, the big takeaway here is don't let your knee go too far forwards when you're climbing stairs. And a lot of the guys will say, well, my knee's not in front of my toes, but you've got to get the knee, it must go halfway. So it mustn't go too far, if I use my finger here, mustn't go too far forwards. So that you're pushing from your hip joint, which is your glutes as opposed to your knee joint. I mean, this applies to me because when I go surfing from this place, there's stairs and I'm carrying a surfboard, so it's heavy. And at the moment, I'm conscious to try and carry it on each side to balance it out because I know we're like completely asymmetrical. Yes. <laughs> and it's very easy to favor one side. And some of the boards are a bit heavier than others. The longer they are and the bigger they are, the heavier they are. And there is quite a lot of stairs at this place. And I'm wondering, would a simple thing be to just make sure I only take one step at a time instead of two? That would help a lot in terms of on the pressure on the knee, but also on your lower back. Because if you've got one side stronger, like you mentioned, you're going to find you have lower back issues. Yeah, I've got plenty of lower back issues. Especially when it's 90 degrees. If, if the stairs good. are quite high, then you're going to struggle with your back there. Yes. And if your technique's not right. <laughs> Honestly, I could talk endlessly about lower back, especially neck, and the extraordinary situation of living with permanent pain and somehow accepting it and even turning it into an advantage, being extra sensitive to that, I think sometimes can be an advantage. I'm super aware. Like if I get stung by a blue bottle, I'm really able to manage the pain because it's like a new different type of pain and I can actually enjoy having the relief from the usual pain <laughs> and I can revel in the intensity of it and the fact that it's going to go away. So it's a really interesting scenario. So you covered how to climb a stair correctly. Can I jump in with the back pain? Oh yeah, got to be careful. Can I? So with squats, most people are also unaware how really, really powerful squats are for lower back pain. And the reason for that, James, is because when you squat correctly, and I want to say correctly, you actually functionally unlock the lower back and you distribute the weight to the hips and the joints and you get all the powerful muscles that are there to actually support the lower back. Squats done incorrectly can be devastating on the back <laughs> and on the knees. I think I've probably done those before. Carl, would you make a video for us of how to do a correct squat that we can put on episode 792 at superfastbusiness.com with a link back to your website? I have a video. I can send you the link, yes. Oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah. And it looks nothing like a gym squat. And I think most people will be shocked to see the actual, the functional squat. It'll be like that. It looks nothing like I've been taught in gym. And I'm saying, well, that's the problem. That's why we're struggling so much. And what makes your technique right and the other people wrong? Is this one of those things that's going to spark a fitness debate in my blogosphere? Or is it just when people do the research, they're going to find there is a correct answer? I think in terms of the research, we're still trying to do, you know, it's almost saying like if you assume you're not, that that technique is right, why should we research it? But because of my background working with back pain and also just the clinical side, we're really seeing guys moving the knees back, trying to stop overarching in the back, stop compensating. So as a whole industry, we're trying to get back to what are the body's optimal techniques. I feel like I've just been on that journey at a much younger age and, and trying to discover that. So it's, it's more my observations. I can't scientifically go and prove that that is the technique. But as we've seen the guys move and as we apply these techniques, it's going in that direction. Right. So we've got the squat. What are the other essential things we should be aware of that could build up our correct functional movement or protect us from a mistake that we're all making? And just while we're here, let me just throw this one in. What's your take on stand-up desks? Sure. I think it's, it's a good it's a break from sitting 
But some people who've got back pain standing for a long time can also be quite painful in the back. I like the, the idea you should be moving. So even standing for three hours in a perfect posture is not good for you. <laughs> so I would say it's a good break from the sitting technique. I do advocate standing desk, but the key is that people got to move. You can't stand perfectly for five hours. <laughs> and should you have a, one of those little mats underneath where you stand? Mats in terms of just a, like a wobble thing? Some people have like little squishy mats or some kind of shock absorption <laughs> or texture underneath. Or is it okay just on carpet or floorboards? I would rather stand barefoot on the ground. But if I don't know if you like doing in the office, but, <laughs> but sure, you can have a mat, but it's not really, you know. I think the idea is to break the sitting posture. I'd say an enormous portion of our audience would be barefoot yep. when they're listening to this podcast, as I am now. Yeah. I've still got zinc all over my face. I've been out for a surf. I'm a barefoot, board shorts, and a t shirt is the standard super fast business attire especially since it's summer here. Great. And I had a stand-up desk and I used to put it up and down. It was electric. I've come up with a new solution now, which is because this house I bought, it actually had a desk built in. So it's like I gave my stand-up desk to a client and, you know, he came and picked it up. It was like kind of sad for me to see it go and I was happy for him to retrieve it. So my main solution now is I just spend way less time at the computer. I would only spend five or six hours at a desk in a week. So I'm probably spending less time in a week at a desk than most of my clients would spend in a day or even half a day, some of them. And tragically, a third of the day for the truly sad workaholics, but hopefully they went and listened to episode 791 (laughs) and they're now out of that habit because in that episode, we talked about how to stop doing most of the things you're doing and still make more money, which is really right up the alley of work, less make more. So back to the essential exercises that we can learn. We can go and watch the video that you're going to make for us or give to us and start to power up a bit. A very common exercise that's been used at the moment is the plank. Uh, We see that across the board. It is definitely strengthens your core, but it's not functional. And I think if you were to ask yourself, when would you ever do the plank? You'd probably never do it unless you were at the gym. Uh, never, unless you were maybe on TikTok or something. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm not even doing a plank for exercise because it looks too difficult. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I was joking the other day. But I was saying, have you noticed your fitness industry, most exercises, like they don't have human names. So you've got the plank, the bridge, the pole, the clam, the cat curl. And I'm like, when are we going to start doing human movements? What about yoga names? They're bizarre. Yeah, even the yoga names. Like, you know, you've got... Downward dog. Exactly. So... But yeah, the plank, what I replace it with is called the, I don't like this, but I call it because people can resonate with it. It's called the upright plank. So it would be as if you, if you were to take someone in a plank position and then actually make them stand up, you'd be actually in a position if you were holding something. So if you were carrying, we've just gone through like a bit of a drought here, I don't know if it's Australia, but everyone was carrying water and they were holding their water like this. And I said, if I was to just stop you and take a photograph, you're in the perfect upright plank position. And that's a functional position as opposed to, lying on your elbows and, you know, every single bone muscle is, you know, working. I do sometimes lie down on my surfboard on my elbows just to break it up a bit, but I'm usually sort of arching my neck or unlocking my vertebrae. Like today when the waves are pretty big, and you get absolutely rumbled in the white water, it's kind of like this full-body random massage. Yes. I can actually feel my bones clicking when they're unlocking because they've just been moved around by the ocean. It's so hard to explain, but I actually could go in feeling a little bit sort of, you know, 50-50 and come out feeling invigorated. You don't have to pay for the massage. No. You you literally just have to subject yourself to Mother Nature and take a few beatings. (laughs) I think with the surfing, you know, as I I can relate, there's a surf 
surf as well. I, what I like about that time is that you actually have to relax when you're underwater. It's yes. something that you've got to explain to beginner surfers. Is the more you try and fight the white water, and you actually subconsciously let go. Yes. And as you said, it's quite relaxing because you, you're not going to beat the ocean, you know. <laughs> well, we were taught this technique of imagining that you're in this giant spa bath and that it's so relaxing and enjoyable, you actually don't want it to stop. I like that. That's what uh, David taught us in the Maldives. So when we do get held under, which is inevitable – if you go for a surf, it's like, okay, this is happening now. I'm just going to take my time. I might open my eyes, might see where the sun is. And in a while, the waves will let me go and I can just gently float to the surface. But if you panic, you burn a lot more oxygen and it's very stressful. You can tell if you're edgy or panicking a bit because you might start getting cramps and things, which is a really bad thing to have happen to you when you're out in the water. You don't want to get your leg lock up and you want to be trying to paddle. If you combine it with some other little random things like being flipped upside down, caught by seaweed and having a cramp and being out of breath and getting stung by a blue bottle, then you've got like the absolute worst nightmare for a beginner, even if it's one foot waves, and they're never going to do it again. So it's a tough learning curve for a sport. And if you surf over there, you you obviously sound like you're in South Africa. You've probably got other things to worry about too. (laughs) Yeah, we've got the sharks, yeah. (laughs) I know, like that to me, that's next level scary. And uh, I think if you didn't have some of the best waves in the world, I can't imagine surfing would be too popular because it's probably cold as well, right? It is, depending on what style of surf you're in, yeah. But I think tying it back to that, the surfing with the exercises, you know, people are 30, 40, 50, want to go out and have that lifestyle if you're a surfer or in your community, but you don't have the mobility or, you know, when I take a pummeling, you know, I'm mobile. I don't, I haven't popped a shoulder or a knee or my back's not sore for six weeks. So I think as you said, a motivation, an external motivation, like of doing a few exercises a day or every second day that can actually help you do the things you love. I'm a big golfer as well, you know, so. I would have guessed you're a golfer from the shirt you're wearing. It's like, it screams golf. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. And you've got great posture. I imagine you've got an extraordinary swing. So, um, yeah, I truly relate. For me, having mobility, it's critical to me because I've got a young child now and I want to be mobile for the next 20 years at least so that I can have a lot of enjoyment with the moments together. We go surfing together and all those things, I'm sure. (laughs) So I'm playing basketball, I'm doing tennis, I'm walking, I'm surfing. I surf every day, so I think my surf fitness is fantastic. My pulse is lowered a lot. I can move so much better and I've got good sort of overall strength. And now I want to progress my surfing. I want to be grabbing rail and tucking into barrels and stuff. Squats. Yeah, it's like it's at odds with this sort of osteoarthritis. I have to explain to some of my younger surf buddies why in the middle of winter I feel like the tin man. You know, I need to squirt some oil in there. I've at least got to warm up before I can crouch down low. It's not easy to do that stuff. However, I'm finding like finding new highs and partly why you're here. It's perhaps a selfish episode in a way, but I guess it's my show and I can curate whatever content works out. So, okay, you've got your functional plank, which you'll show us a picture of at least, I'm sure. What else can we do? What I wanted to touch on that mobility, James, that I think would be very helpful for the listeners is that we've got to stop seeing muscles as a piece of plastic that you stretch. So the idea is that if you've got a tight muscle, you've got to stretch it and stretch it and stretch it and hold it. And there's so much controversy over how long you should hold a stretch and when you should be stretching. But it's actually the mind, the brain that governs the length of muscles. So I've got a saying that what makes you tense makes you tight. 
that's stuck in the traffic, if it's anger, if it's just work. Oh, it's like I was saying, if you're having a bad surf and you start cramping up, it's like because you're tensing up a lot. Exactly. So what makes you tense makes you tight. And the other thing is when you're moving correctly, your muscles work in highly coordinated sequences. So poor movement, it affects the sequencing of the muscles working together and that keeps you tight. When you move functionally correctly, it reorders the muscle sequences and then you get automatic flexibility. So I've rapidly improved my mobility by never doing any stretches. You should stretch if you've done a long session and you've had maybe walked or surfed for five hours and you're feeling and you can stretch to try and loosen that a bit. But to try and stretch to improve posture and, and balance muscle imbalances, that's a long way to go. And again, you can ask people who've done stretches and I'll say, I've been stretching for years and it hasn't really made a difference or it's made a small difference, you know. I don't stretch much, but kudos to if you're surfing for five hours. <laughs> I think I went for an hour and 20 minutes today and covered five kilometers. So Brilliant. that's truly an Ironman effort if you're out there. Yeah. And I know some of the athletes do that. It's just like that's next level. When I go to the Maldives, we surf three times a day for two weeks. I drop five or six kilos. I get super fit. It's my sort of post-winter tune-up. Yeah. But I definitely don't surf. But I do like those little roller balls, you know, the inflatable balls to lie on. I've noticed those things really open me up. Are they good or bad? They're good. I was just saying for you, if you're surfing that often, you know, you want to get what's called flexion exercises. You don't want to be doing too much extension because you're already lying on the board yeah. having to extend as you paddle. So, yeah, always like that. Yeah, exactly. So you want to start doing a little flexion. The idea of sitting on the ball, working up, it's an alternative to the chair, but actually the problem for most... Oh, I don't really work. I just lie on it. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, good. <laughs> I generally lie on it and relax, or I just move my hips side That's to side fine. a bit just to relax them. But it's really just like to take the pressure off my neck and back. I can feel it unlock when I lie down there because it's gotten out of place because my muscles aren't fully working together yet to keep it in the right spot. Obviously, that's why the osteophytes develop. The other thing was I got this Hyper VRE sort of little roller that vibrates. Yes. That can really ease things up as well, you know, when it gets too tense. But I know that all that tension is a result of the fundamentals not being there in the first place, which I'm sure is what we're talking about here to correct that. With your neck as well, there's a lot of listeners who do, neck's a common problem, especially with desk jobs. I often joke around and say that the fitness industry is way ahead in the robotics and the you know the world of business because a lot of the movements in the fitness industry are robotic. So you'll see the old school sort of stretches with like look down, head to the side, and sort of very left, right. But when you look at functional movements, you actually want to turn your whole body. You want to include all those movements. You don't want to just be – you want to look down and include the whole spine, not just the neck. So we've got quite – we isolate a lot in the medical industry. Sort of we're where the problem is we focus on and we just target that specific area, which when it comes to movement, you don't want to do that. So it's a lot more whole body movements rather than micro movements. Correct. So you want to move your whole body, not just isolate the neck, chin in, look down, that kind of robotic sort of – yeah, and that can put a lot of strain on the neck as well, ironically. When I went to a chiropractor for a little while, it didn't seem to help me much. He used to make me push my chin to my chest and try and stretch that back thing, and it, it never felt quite right. And the guy turned out to be a real dickhead as well. <laughs> it's like, it this crazy thing. I ended up like as a charity helping him out with his struggling business. My team built him a website, and he opened it up, and he just basically said it's the most ugly website he's ever seen in his life and shredded it to pieces, and he didn't pay a cent for it. It was like a gift. And so I stopped going, <laughs> which was funny. Funny how those things sort of stop and start, but 
Yeah, I found sometimes when I've tried to get help, I wasn't getting the solutions that I would have hoped for. It's so difficult to say because a lot of it's, like you said, mind, body as well. You know, you can have all the best posture, and, but if you're under a lot of stress, taking it emotionally and whatever, maybe external. I mean, a lot of people listening to this are under stress. Yeah. I feel it. I see it every day. I answer a thousand posts a month in super fast business. And people come with a lot of stress and toxin and tension. And guess who's taking it out for them? I'm the one dealing with it on a volume basis and I have to have a way to process it. The funniest thing ever, maybe the saddest thing ever, probably a bad word, is this kinesiologist that uh, someone referred me to once. She actually passed away of cancer or something and I, I think she just dealt with too much toxin. Sure. Just to soaked it all up and had nowhere to go. Yeah, and uh, you know, the thing is with the movements is it's it's a great way to detox. So anything like you say, walking, exercising, and, and again, across the list is, you know, sometimes, again, less is more. If you are under stress and you are, like, enjoy your exercise, working hard, you, obviously, like you said, with your food, you've got to stop cutting back, and that's a lot of the coaching is it's just removing stuff, like getting more clarity, removing less, and it's, again, it's, you know, our mindset, we've so been indoctrinated or ingrained in our minds that we have to put full throttle all the time, you know. <laughs> They're the entrepreneurial A type. Applies to many years of our lives. Yeah, hopefully we've dispelled some of that message, especially yeah. when we've covered things like sleep and Correct. with the work, you absolutely don't have to do more or work harder or work more hours. You don't have to lift heavier weights or lift them more often to be a better athlete. I've heard that the biggest problem they have is overtraining because they're so driven. They just train too much. Is that a common thing? Yeah, it's that sort of that type A personality strive, you know. So I think for me, I've been forced with COVID and homeschooling and just life. Like you said, 2020 has been a bit of a... <laughs> One for the books. Uh, a weird year, smack in the face, and it's just had to really consolidate. And it's actually been great because I've been able to do my own exercises and then share what I'm doing. And it's amazing just how much you can get from doing it so little. And it's effective. I think that's the most important. You get results. Now, I'm not a bodybuilder, but I want to live to 80, 90 and not have to worry about shoulders and knee pain, you know. And what other things would you recommend sort of as we're yeah. closing out? There's got to be one or two. Yeah, the press-ups. So it's the modified version of a push-up. And a prime example would be surfing. So when you're on a surfboard, you don't do a push-up. You don't look at the board and go up and down, up and down. You know, you arch back slightly and you push back onto your knees or you jump. So the push-up is a very functional exercise, but it's not taught correctly in my opinion. So the push-up is actually going to look like a press-up on a surfboard where you're going back onto your knees or back, and that actually strengthens all your pecs, your core, and your upper body muscles functionally as opposed to doing push-ups. And push-ups is another quite a common exercise many people do, or, you know, if they think they've got to exercise. So your upright plank, your press-ups combined with squats done correctly can provide tremendous benefits and have a lot of really pain-relieving effects as well. Yeah, I don't know if it's terrible or not, but one of my shaper friends gave me a tip, and that was to put my hands slightly apart like to put my leading hand a little bit further forward and my back hand a little further back when I press up and it automatically twists my body as I stand up so that I can be in the right foot position. And uh, I don't know if that's good or bad from a movement perspective, but it definitely helps me get a better late takeoff. <laughs> no, that's, that's going to, that'll help. I mean, that's like a, that's a now functional tweak for surfing to get you, you know, in the, in the right position, but you'll find that it'll help your surfing. It saves me having to do a last minute twist, you know, it's like it's all in one movement now. Are you goofy or regular? Goofy. Okay. 
I don't know what your break is there, Manly, but you'll find it maybe one if you can ride both sides. Or oh yeah, I can ride both. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We get a lot of straight handers around these parts. <laughs> yeah, like lefts and rights. When I go to the Maldives, there's a lot of rights, so I'm doing a lot of backhand. Lately, I've been really working, and thanks to one of our previous guests, I've been getting some coaching on doing barrel riding stance. So now I can take off and drop my left knee to the board, like almost not even stand up. So I can just like quickly transition from lying down to my left knee on the board, my left hand in front of the knee, and then pointing my shoulders through the tube down the line. and dragging my right hand into the wave face. So that's been giving me a more stable, late takeoff, looks good. And it's just getting that movement. I've had to practice and practice that now to get past that stiff point where I can just quickly switch into that stance. So it takes practice, but this is exactly why, you know, I want to be moving better. I want to be nimble on my feet. And the more I am, the more I can unlock my next level of surfing like a video game. It just gets incredibly exciting. I know that a lot of barrel time's coming my way when I can dial that one in. So I feel like I'm getting closer. Well, there's a squat for you. Yeah. You know, or like a lunge position. And it'll help your back because you are in barrel riding, depending on the size of the wave, you know, you're, you actually are twisted as well, yeah. depending on how you if you your grabbings. But it unlocks a lot of our joy. I and mean, that's the reason why a lot of entrepreneurs want to have their own business. And that's, I think you spoke about this a while in your show. This is the capitalist paradox where you, you actually become so busy, you don't have a life. You know? yeah. And that's the irony. You, you want. That's it. And I've made the daily surf has become a mainstay of I have to build my business and my routine around that or I'm not going to be happy. And it's forced efficiencies, it's forced leverage, it's forced me to be a better coach to my students, to have a lot more discipline with my routine and schedule. Like today is a good example. All I've done today is two podcasts. That's it. I did one this morning at 9.40 and one this afternoon at whatever time we started. I'm going to say, gosh, 5.20, 5.30. So I've basically had the entire day off except for a little bit of work in the beginning and in the afternoon. That's my entire day, and it's a work day today. So that sort of schedule has unlocked everything for me. Now, I'll still do a few forum posts, and I'll answer questions, and I'll check emails and check in with my team, but they're optional, and I can do them on my own agenda, yes. which is important. Yes. Speaking to that, how intensive is this exercise agenda that you're talking to us about, the exercises you're going to give us? Do we do them every day? Do we do one a day? Do we mix and match? Is there a schedule for them? It's difficult to be prescriptive because, again, it's under that bell curve, but I think you know the idea would be to try to do at least twice a week, and it's probably going to take five to ten minutes. It's not a lot. It's not intense. You can use your body weight. If you have excess weights at home, you can use that to you know, get a better fit to what you need. But for the average person, just getting started is just the key part. You know, just removing all those barriers, thinking I've got to do 45 minutes now, and I, you know, and part of the coaching that we do is just helping them to just get that started. But the key thing is to do them correctly. So if you are working with someone or a trainer or over in Australia or someone like myself, is to invest in the time to learn to do it correctly because. Even if you're doing the exercises and it's it's a good that you're doing it, but if you do them incorrectly with the wrong form, that can often accelerate other problems like back and knee problems and then, you know, you're on the wrong track. Right. So you're pretty much saying we can actually move less and be fitter or be healthier. What outcome are we getting by doing the right activities less often than doing the wrong activities more often? Well, less wear and tear, you know, and obviously you have to have for strength some sort of resistance. Just know where you're at, getting your baseline and then working from there. 
not comparing it to the guy in the gym magazine or punishing your body, all those things we spoke about. Then in cardiovascular, you know, for our age, different people between any age, but you going for walks or a light run or surfing, swimming is important, but it's not to be confused with strengthening. We do need to add strength, some sort of strength component. But again, it doesn't have to be heavy and it doesn't have to be long. Cool. Which is it's encouraging, especially to busy people who are stressed already. They don't want to be adding more stress to their life. <laughs> Everyone's busy. It's amazing how busy you can be even if you have nothing to schedule. Like an entire day can just fly past. And even trivial inconveniences like um, having to meet a cleaner or something. Yeah. <laughs> Your pain to do something you don't want to do can still be a pain in the ass. It's funny, you know, how you can shift what is a problem at one point in your life to what could be a challenge for you later on. But it's about keeping real and getting it all in perspective. Absolutely. So, Carl, I, I want to say thanks for coming along and sharing your functional movement ideas with us. There are a few takeaways that I've certainly picked up. That is, you know, don't beat yourself up if you're not doing an intensive hit routine every day. Start off small. Get to know yourself better. Use some of the exercises that Carl's going to share on the episode here. Are there any other things that you think would be important takeaways from this, Carl, that we should mention at this point? Well, just a quick little physiology thing is that skeletal muscle was primarily seen as just to provide movement, but now through science they're showing that the skeletal muscle actually become like an endocrine organ. And it's actually every time you contract your muscles, you're actually releasing what's called myokines, which are chemical signals that actually regulate inflammation in the body. So it just encourages people to think that it's not just about losing weight. It's actually when I do these exercises, I'm releasing hormones into my body that are actually going to provide tremendous health benefits. So it's not just weight loss or looking good. But if you flog your body, you might end up getting an over-release or you know, a bad chemistry thing happening where Correct. you might induce nasties. So you've got to watch it. Now, someone listening to this, if they like what you're talking about, they want to get in touch with you, you've got a website over at carlreadercoaching.com. That's correct. What else do we need to know in that regard? We'll put a link to your site next to the videos on episode 792 at superfastbusiness.com. If you want to get in touch with Carl, you could send him an email perhaps, or you could send me an email. I'll flick it across to Carl. So whatever works there. Thank you for sharing. I actually feel like a little weight's gone off my shoulders just from doing the work to find out about this stuff and takes a bit of pressure off knowing that we're kind of on the right track here and I'm interested to try some of these exercises and see if we can get some more performance gains as well with minimal effort in a safe way. Sounds good, yeah. Thank you, Carl. Thank you for having me. Discover how to build your business super fast. Check out superfastbusiness.com. Thank you.